You're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. No, you're the coolest. Okay, I'm the coolest. I am Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills, and with me, as always, is Pastor Mark Berkshire with Meadow Run Community Church in Ohio Powell, Pennsylvania. And uh, this morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to it, <laughs> we are going back to the basics. Uh, we are talking about salvation, uh, the importance of it, what is it? How is it obtained? And then we're going to throw in a, uh, a curveball, or maybe not. Maybe we hold that for another one. What does one have to do to keep it? And the whole, can you lose your salvation? I think that should be a separate conversation because that could be an hour and a half on its yeah. own. Uh, so Probably. We, yeah, we, we won't go there. But we we I feel like we do need to talk about what is salvation Um in general. So when you hear the word term salvation, what comes to mind? Rescuing. Um, salvation to me, when speaking of it in a general form, is um, being saved from danger, being saved from something that is bad. Um, when you look at it as a Biblical term, salvation, I think of Jesus Christ, because he is our rescuer. He is the one who saved us from danger, from going to hell. I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I think being salvation, I think of being saved from a state of separation from God, saved from our sinful state. Uh, that danger, um, but you took it to the next level and <laughs> saved from going to hell, right? Because that's 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 the key. That's what our state of being separated from God. That's where that leaves us, right? So, um, how? And we're, I mean, we're getting into a little bit of theological, but I mean, that's the whole purpose of to respond to those people who one don't know what salvation is. Or two, incorrectly think that, hey, just because I show up to church every Sunday, I'm saved, when in essence, you are not. Right. So how did Jesus save us? This is especially as we're rolling into Lent, rolling up to Resurrection Sunday, great conversation. So how did Jesus save us from that danger of being separated from God and, God and spending an eternity in hell? Quick answer. Because to really, truly understand what Jesus did takes a lot longer. But the, the quick answer is he took on our sins on the cross. God had to turn his back on his only son because he took on our sins. But he not only took on our sins... He went to the grave and buried them. And then he rose again to give us the opportunity to have new life. That's why baptism, we talk about baptism. 
And that's a whole nother subject that we'll get into too. Uh, because baptism doesn't save us. Only the blood of Jesus saves us. That is the only way to be saved. Now, a bunch of people just stopped listening when you said baptism doesn't save us. Um, <laughs> and, and again, it doesn't, because here's the thing, and this this is it's got to go back, which is why we started talking about the definition first. If salvation is Jesus doing something to save us, right, mm -hmm. from uh, danger, not danger being eternal separation from God, which means an eternity in hell, if that's what salvation is, then we can either, there's two options, either we can save ourselves, which if we could, we didn't need Jesus to do it, but if it took Jesus to do it, then there's nothing that we can do to do it. So right. if people say that baptism saves us, then, then 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 you come into a whole other question is, if Jesus had never went to the cross, could baptism have saved us? And if baptism only saves us after Jesus went to the cross, what did Jesus do to suddenly make being baptized regenerate us and 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 put us in a new position? So that's a whole other thing. I, I'm I am on board with you. I don't think you're still muted. I don't think that baptism saves us. I think that we are commanded to be baptized uh, mm -hmm. because it's a, a, a picture and it's a it's our obedience to Christ. Um, I think there is a spiritual aspect to baptism, uh, but I don't think that aspect is regeneration. Um, and it removes us from our sins. I think that we're saved, as the Bible says, through the death, burial, and resurrection of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that alone is what saves us. But I think because you brought up that, uh, you know, the resurrection does two things. One, it was <clears throat> proof. So now we and all mankind have proof that we have been saved, uh, not just because of what was said by the apostles, but because as Paul said, it was prophesied hundreds and in some cases thousands of years beforehand that this would occur. The mm -hmm. fact that, you know, that was prophesied, this spirit, spiritual thing that transcends, uh, you know, human ability to do on our own, uh, that this miracle would happen, um, that's kind of evidence. But also, it also shows that not just us, but everyone before us and everyone after us is saved because it proves that Jesus as an eternal being could pay the sins for all mankind, not just for the people who were the, with him there, not just for the apostles, not just for the people in the past. As an eternal being, he paid the sins for all mankind. So um, that brings us to the next question, though. If Jesus did this thing, the supernatural thing he stepped into as God, stepped into our universe, stepped into time, became man, um, lived and then died to pay the penalty for our sins. Uh, how do he did it? But how do we obtain it? How do we get access to this salvation that he made possible for all mankind? And that is the coolest thing, I think about the whole process because all we have to do is ask that's it's that simple i mean 
we were talking earlier. There was a young lady that this week um, that uh, gave her heart to the Lord. And it was, it, it was, she was saying how she did so many things wrong. She was, she shoplifts. She, she did everything. And I said to her that God, and, and I wasn't trying to belittle what she was doing or what she did. God doesn't care what we have done if we come to him and ask for forgiveness. The only time he's going to really judge us on what we have done as far as bad things is if we never come to him in the first place. So when you, um, as we were talking earlier about this, I, one of the things that I love that you said, and I agree 100% because I'm, I'm not on that boat or bandwagon that does that either, is that <clears throat> when you were talking with this woman, uh, you said that you, you threw out that, hey, I'm not going to lead you in a pair, prayer and have you repeat after me. I want you to pray. And you just sat back and she prayed. Yeah, uh, we're probably going to lose all of our listeners right now because, as I told her, there is no such thing as a sinner's prayer. There's no such thing in the Bible as an altar call. Um, God didn't. God didn't ordain an altar call. He, Jesus spoke, and people responded. And that is the same way that it happens today. Jesus speaks to our hearts and we should respond. And I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, first of all, I agree 150 gazillion percent, but I do want to say. I'm losing you, Floyd. uh, I'm still here and I can still hear you. Um, I just want to say that. We are not condemning any people that use an altar call. Uh, if you want to take the time and set up a place and 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 invite people to come forward, that's okay. But that is not a requirement of salvation. Uh, the same thing with leading people in prayer. Um, that is okay if you want to lead people in prayer. That is okay if you want to you know guide people through that process. But it is not a requirement for salvation. It's not something that uh, God says has to take place. So uh, it's not a requirement. There's nothing wrong if you decide to have an altar call. There's nothing wrong if you want to lead people to prayer. But it is not a biblical requirement for salvation. And normally, I don't do altar calls at at our congregation. Uh, I don't tell people to pray after me. I just say, God, if there's anyone here, speak to their heart right now. And sometimes we'll step back and let them do some business with God um, and, and and let them in their silence. But uh, there is no biblical requirement for an altar call or for us to lead someone in prayer in order for them to experience salvation. Yes, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um and that's why I think it's so important that we pray 
ourselves. Salvation is a very personal time between you and God. Um, yes, we are to go and tell people, make witnesses that of our our commitment and our salvation that we we made that confession and we surrendered our lives. But here's another thing about salvation. Salvation is not a one and done. Okay. Um, and, and this goes to lose your salvation a little bit. It's not a one and done. Salvation is just the beginning of a lifelong journey with Jesus Christ. If you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, forgive me, and it's done, and you don't live a life that is showing your salvation, then I would say you were never saved. You just made an emotional response to whatever. Salvation is a journey, just like sanctification is a journey. And we are not completely that journey is not completed until we enter into heaven. Yes. Like if we were doing this via video so everyone could watch, I would tell you to drop a mic. Cause that that's the key. Although if we were, we probably just lost the last two people who were listening that we didn't yeah. make. Uh, because salvation is, this is why Paul says, work out your salvation. It's an ongoing. Exactly. Process. And if, if salvation this is why we defined it, if salvation is being saved from danger, when we're fully saved from danger, we're removed from the danger into a new place where no longer where danger no longer exists. And that will be once we are in heaven, we will have finally achieved the fullness of salvation, uh, the maturity of what Christ calls us to. So and, and let me let me point out, you just made a good point. You said that we are removed from danger. We're removed from danger of hell. We're not removed from the danger of man. Salvation is when you give your heart to the Lord and, and you, you come to him, our problems are not going to cease. Our suffering will intensify most of the time. We will be in a different type of battle than we have ever been in before because it is going to be more of a spiritual battle than ever before because satan knows he can't he can't have you anymore because you've given your heart to jesus right you've you've accepted him he can't have you he can't get you to be one of his anymore but he can mess your life up all the way down the line if we don't focus on Jesus. Yeah, which is why um, in the parable of the thorns, Jesus talks about the ones that were on rocky ground, the ones that were on solid ground, and uh, the ones who, you know, they received the word with joy, and they were like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. But then, you know, and I'm using today's language, uh, as they were on their way home, they got into an argument, they got into this, they got into that. And then, then they just, you know, okay, we can't do this anymore. Or the ones who receive the word with joy, but then as soon as the trials of life, the struggles, the bills, 
you know, I can't go to church on Sunday. I got to work an extra shift to try to make ends meet. And all the, the, the struggles of life got in the way. Um, that I think people look at it as, yeah, and I talk to people all the time, and people get mad at me when I say this, when they say, I've been, I was saved for 30 years. I was a Christian for 30 years, but now I'm an atheist. And my thing is, well, you, you, you weren't saved for 30 years. You weren't a Christian for 30 years. Yeah. You may have been trying to learn what that was. You may have sat in the pews, but you weren't a Christian for 30 years who suddenly decided that God doesn't exist because the whole, the whole thing of being a Christian is that once you do step across that line of faith, and I think earlier you were saying in the conversation you had with someone um, asking them who said they had committed their life to Christ before, and you asked, were you sincere? Yeah. Did you do it with your whole heart? And they were like, no, I just did it because someone told me I had to. And that's the difference. Because when you're sincere, then God acknowledges that sincerity and he puts the promised seal of the Holy Spirit in those who have truly accepted him and stepped across that line of faith. So there's a difference between salvation and I prayed a prayer. And I also say this to people, there's a difference in I asked Jesus into my heart. I asked the bank to give me a million dollars. That doesn't mean I'm a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Right? I didn't go through the process of what the bank said needed to happen in order to me, order for me to be a recipient of it. So just yeah, yeah. because you ask and say something doesn't mean you're a Christian. That doesn't equate to salvation. Um, and, and here's another thing. While we're on that, you ask the Lord into your heart illustration. I had someone once tell me that after they asked the Lord, after they asked for forgiveness and asked for salvation. Two weeks later, they're still cussing. They're still carrying on. And they said, it didn't work. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, what didn't work? Well, my salvation didn't take because I'm still cussing. And I'm like, how long have you lived your life cussing? I said, 20, 30, 40 years. I said, you think it's just going to up and leave you right away? Some people, yes. I, I, I know people that as soon as they were saved, my dad was one. He was a smoker. As soon as he got saved, he quit smoking, never picked up a cigarette again. That was his thing. That was great. I know other people that got saved and... 20 years later, they're still going, they still slip up, they cuss or they do things and they say things. It's not going to be, it's not a magic wand or a magic pill that we swallow when we ask Jesus into our heart. We have built a lifetime of living in the world. And now we have to start a lifetime of living with Jesus. And that takes work. And I'm, I'm, that's a great point because here's the other thing that it's not a requirement of salvation, but I, I tell people, why do you want to be saved? If you're not going to commit to following Jesus, obeying his laws and his will and his commands and living like him and for him, 
why are you even bothering? Because if the expectation is, hey, uh, I, I'm going to, you know, commit my life to Christ. And then, yes, ooh, great. Now I'm not going to hell, but I'm going to continue to do all of the same things that I used to do. Then, no, I'm 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 not committing my life to Christ. Right. That That's not salvation. Uh, right. That's for you looking for a legalistic way. Um, but you're not doing the thing that God requires you to do. Because like you said, once you step across that line of faith, that's step one in this process of living your life for Jesus. It doesn't end there like, ooh, I did it. Now I can go run free will and do whatever I want. Yeah. And, and it's not its not an easy life. Christianity is not an easy thing. It is the easiest way to come to Christ I mean it's I don't know how to say this it's easy to come to him it's harder to live for him I think that is the perfect way to say it and we need to put that on t-shirts coffees and mugs <laughs> yeah because I mean I'm a pastor I struggle I have days that I fall and I fail. Um, none of us will ever be perfect. None of us will ever be sinless. There are denominations, there are, are, are people out there that will say, when you come to Christ, you will be sinless. You will not have any sin anymore. That I say baloney because we all sin. You know, if, if we were in a congregation, I would ask how many people went over 55 to get to church this morning. That's a sin because you're breaking the law. How many of you had a thought, I wish my wife would just hurry up and get dressed and get out the door because it's making me angry. That's a sin. We all sin. We're not going to have perfect lives. So. That's why I, I, I'm very careful when I when I talk to people about salvation that they understand it's not a magic pill. It's not something that is going to fix everything in our lives. It will fix the most important thing in our life. Yeah. But it doesn't fix the things of the world. Yeah. So um I think I think we've 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 covered that in full by angering everyone we could think of from every perspective. Um, I hope not, but yeah. I hope not. But I I, I challenge people to, um, you know, if they have questions to ask them. Um, this is a conversation Mark and I were having before before we uh, started recording. Um, one of the reasons that we do this. And we were both having separate conversations with our wives uh, earlier to explain this. One of the reasons we do this um, and, and the books we write and the things we do um, are not, we don't do it to gain followers, to get money or to whatever. We do it in order to share the truths of God's word with people. And even though, you know, I, there's probably maybe one person, probably none, people from my congregation that listen to this podcast um, I don't devote time to it in order to get people to come to crossroads. No. I don't do it in hopes of gaining people that will come to crossroads on a Sunday morning. I do it for those people who won't come to crossroads who or, or ever step into 
a, a, a building to worship God on any Sunday, but may actually listen to this podcast and understand uh, the truths of God's words, or for those people that can't get to a building. You know, this isn't like yes. a sermon, but this is just, you know, two pastors sitting, sharing the truths of God's word and telling people how they can respond. That's why we call it faith responders, how they can respond to things going on in the culture and in the world in a God-honoring way. And we don't get anything out of it. We're not trying to get anything out of it. We're just trying to get the truth of God's word out. So yeah, we're not yeah. trying to push a de denominational perspective. Uh, we're not trying to get any anyone to come to either one of our congregations. We're just trying to do the thing that God has called us to do, to share the truth of God's word with everyone. And yes. this is one of the ways we do it. And, and I, I will also say that, you know, the most important thing I think that anyone can do, it's not that I think, the most important thing I know that anyone can do is to give their lives to Jesus. To, to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and wash me with your blood. And when we do that, the Bible says that he forgets all of our sins and he throws them away, past, present, and future. And that means that we have the freedom to live in him, not in the world, but the freedom to live in him. And like Floyd said, we do this to see souls one to Christ. I know for a fact no one in my congregation listens to the podcast. They're all over 70 years old, so they don't even know what a podcast is. Um, my wife listens, but um, it, it, is, it is to share the word and the love of Jesus. That's what we are about. Um, and it, it pains me. And it, it really, really like sticking a knife in my back when I hear pastors that are in this for a career and not in it for the calling. And there's a bunch of them out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel, I feel if, if salvation is getting people out of danger, saving people from danger, then in my mind, pastors are the life rafts that right. God throws out to people that they should be able to turn to and be able to look to, to help bring them to that salvation point. And if we're doing it for any other reason, other than to expand the kingdom of God, um, then we're doing it. We're definitely doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and with that, I would also say if we're if we're we're drawing this to a close, if there is anyone listening to this, or if you know of anyone that needs the Lord, share this with them. Share your your testimony with them. Well, I don't have a testimony. Jesus saved you. Jesus changed you. And Jesus is making you a new person. That's your testimony, plain and simple. Not everybody has a testimony. I came out of drugs. I came out of poverty. I came out of the, 
that's not everybody's testimony. Um, that brings up a great point, and maybe we should touch on that next instead of um, can one lose their salvation? Maybe we save that for the summer because <laughs> uh, that should be a long one. But maybe we could talk about, um, you know, uh, testimony and evangelism and all that stuff. Shameless plug. I am bringing this up because I just wrote three books on evangelism. Um, I don't care if you buy the books. I want people to have the information about evangelism. And there's a lot of false information out there yeah. about what evangelism is, including one of the things that we started off talking about. Uh, you don't have to lead someone in prayer to Christ just to say, yay, that was evangelism, because that that's not. That's not biblical evangelism. It's great if you do, again, great if you do an altar call, all that stuff. Was uh, it for the CC that said um, everyone is to preach the gospel and sometimes use words? Yeah, yeah. But, oh, now I think, oh, you know what? Well, as, as Mark said, if we bring this to a close, we're going to pray in a minute, but we skipped over what we normally start with, and I apologize, and I think that's because we we're both kind of passionate to jump into this topic about salvation. Um, but what are you preaching on on Sunday? I am continuing my series in First Peter. Uh, we're in First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to be talking about um, finishing up on the mission because it talks about husbands and wives in the first part of chapter three. But then I'm going to talk about a new four-letter word that we should use in the church. And um, it, it, it's a word that's, that every one of us who say we are saved and a Christian should be doing, and that is leading by example. So the new four-letter word is lead. Because I know people are going to be watching my sermon on Sunday from this podcast. But we should lead as an example. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's funny because we've just been talking about, we're still going through Mark, and we've been talking about discipleship and um, the uh, incorrect understanding that currently the world has of discipleship, that the world's understanding. When I hear Christians talk about discipleship, and so we should, I ask them, what do you mean by that? And it, they, whatever answer they give me, because I get a bunch, it usually doesn't line up with the biblical definition. Right. Uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about, actually, um, we're still in Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, uh, and we're talking about all of the uh, emphasis that Jesus begins to put on um his death, burial, and resurrection uh, as, you know, he gets closer and closer to uh, his death, burial, his physical death, burial, and resurrection. So, uh, and it, oddly enough, again, people, this season of Lent, uh, many people who have already started off Lent with getting ashes on their forehead and saying, we're going to fast and do this and that a couple of weeks later, and they're done. They're, they're not doing that anymore. Um, so we're going to put some emphasis on what should we be doing? Uh, as we draw closer to the day that we commemorate and celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, the author and finisher of our faith, and the thing that he did that saves us, that that made it possible, made our salvation possible. So um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Good. So, Mark, again, as always, uh, would you close us 
prayer, as we pray for, um, uh, and as Mark said, if there's anyone listening now and uh, you feel God tugging at your heart, you don't need one of us or a pastor or anyone to lead you. You just need to say, you know, what you feel in your heart, probably one of the greatest prayers, although it's not a model, the sinner prayer uh, that Jesus noted is the sinner who just said, hey, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. What Peter said, I, get away from me. I don't deserve to have you around. And yeah. God chose him to be one of the, the pillars in the church. Yeah. So, you know, let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who has made it possible for us to have a way to you. Thank you for thinking about us even before you created the world. You said that while we were still sinners, you chose your son to die on the cross for us. You made it possible even before you knew us. You still were thinking about us. Thank you so much for thinking about me and thinking about saving me from eternal hell through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be examples of your love. Help us to show your love and sometimes even use words to do it. Help us to walk in a way where people will see Jesus in me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.